So we are um, in the series, uh, God-Given Authority, or you could say the authority of the believer. And um, this happened, or was established when Jesus rose from the dead, and uh, right before he ascended on high. And uh, he gave us authority. It's one of the very last things that he did. And so... uh, if you don't have a copy of this book, maybe raise your hand and we'll get you a copy of this book. Do you have a copy of the Authority of the Believer, Believer's Authority? Jeremy, Jeremy will get you one there. some down there. Um, and um, this is a book by Kenneth E. Hagan. And um, we uh, had the privilege of ministering with him for uh, the last uh, couple years he was on the earth. And... Um, uh, Interesting thing about him is uh, when you travel with him like that, he would say uh, uh, quite frequently, especially towards the end, like, uh, why don't you come up here and preach? Now, he never said that to me uh, because I was more behind the scenes. But he's like, these guys that travel with me, he's like, I personally train them. And so I talked to the people that do that, and I'm like, you know, so he sat down and taught you, no, no. But you actually learn uh, by watching and being involved and by correction, (laughs) And so uh, we were uh, trained by uh, Kenneth Hagin and uh, had such a privilege uh, to be there. I kind of, I like to say I cut my teeth in the word of faith on Dad Hagin because, um, you know, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, I was in a Southern Baptist church, uh, not in in that service, but uh, while I was attending the Southern Baptist church. And uh, then I got filled with the Spirit and started, uh, got hungry for some other stuff and was kind of sneaking off to another church. And uh, then this older man by the name of Kenneth E. Hagin was coming to minister there. And uh, I always liked uh, older ministers, uh, especially older people in general, but older ministers especially. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to go hear this guy. And I had no idea what I was in for. And uh, so just a tremendous blessing and thankful uh, for the Lord to uh, use him to teach us. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You have um, people so many times in your life or ministers that you just really receive from. And it's really important to uh, honor those things because uh, uh, the Lord kind of has food there for you, you know, that you need. Uh, And, of course, as your pastor uh, you're going to have like a great abundance of food there because, you know, the Lord's called us to watch out for those in our church and pray for and um, encourage and, and those type of things. But uh, you have uh, certain people. So I just always pay attention uh, when I receive a lot from the Lord through the ministry of someone, I really want to honor it uh, because I know, okay, the Lord, uh, the ecclesiology or the church, the assembly as the Bible calls it, uh, is actually about supernatural relationships. Well, what's a supernatural relationship? Well, that's a relationship that the Lord has put together. And so, like, I believe people are supernaturally supposed to uh, be connected with certain churches because, um, you know, as your home church, because uh, the Lord has ordained or made it so that there's going to be food in that house for you. And um, so it's important that you uh, receive that. And so anyhow, we... Um, 
we got connected there, and little did I have no clue that we would actually get to work with him and travel with him and, and learn some stuff from him. And, uh, you know, he didn't know everything, uh, but like I like to say, he was in ministry for 69 and three quarters years, uh, passed away right before 70 years. And uh, actually, I say I like to say, but he said it a lot, is you learn some things just by being there for that long. And so we're thankful for the, the wisdom and the investment that uh, he's put in us. So anyhow, it's a long way to say like he wrote this book. <laughs> uh, and he didn't really write it. You know, it's from messages that he preached and then the editors put it together. And, uh, but the book has been used. That The Word of God, of course, the foremost and most important, uh, but that's based on the Word, uh, the Bible, and uh, this book right here, uh, The Believers in uh, Germany and also Russia attribute those two books to, and people understanding what's in those two books and praying. And this is just really to direct you back to the Word. Uh, they credit those two with the fall of the Iron Curtain. Right? And so... Uh, that's pretty significant. Uh, trying to see, I don't want to say anybody's age, but most people, I remember I was in high school at the time. I remember it. It was significant. If you weren't, you know, Eddie, you might could look up and see, like, uh, uh, it was a pretty significant time and pretty, pretty, pretty big thing. But um, so we're, we're using that kind of as our, our textbook for this series. We're going to look in uh, the book of Ephesians. If you have time, I really encourage you to read through the book of Ephesians um, while we're in this series because it's really, the whole series is really based on the book of Ephesians. And um, Ephesians is uh, such a wonderful book. And there's two prayers in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 17 through 23, and also chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. I would encourage you to read those in the Amplified Translation and pray those over yourself. And if you have someone that you're praying for, if they are a believer, these are probably some, these, and there's some in Colossians and um, Thessalonians, a few others. But these two in particular uh, would be really life-changing prayers for the believer that you're praying for or for yourself. And so uh, you pray them from your heart in faith, asking and expecting you know, God, uh, he said, call unto me and I will answer you. That's true. That's not a lie. That actually happens. God speaks today. Uh, not always and not most of the time. Like you hear my audible voice uh, vibrating your eardrum is what's happening. And that's sending signals to your brain and it's interpreting it. So that's not really the way God primarily speaks. That's actually an exceptional way. You have no basis in the word of God to even uh, ask for that. But it says the still small voice on the inside of us bears witness with our spirits uh, that we're children of God. Uh, he leads, he guides us that way. And so uh, the Lord speaks today. And um, sometimes it's easy to ask a lot of other people, but he is the source. And he, he'll give you the best answer. And, um, you know, when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. And um, if you're having trouble in prayer, maybe open your heart to the Lord and ask him, Say, Lord, I'm expecting you to speak to me because you said you'd speak. And then one of the biggest keys, write this down if you don't have it, one of the biggest keys to hearing from God is listening <laughs> in prayer. Uh, why? Because, well, Lord, you know I have this need, I have this need, I have this need, I have this need, and this, in Jesus' name, amen. And you say, like, I don't know what the Lord said to me. <laughs> you just know what you said to the Lord. 
but we don't. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm actually serious, and it's very practical. It's just you take a moment, and you expect. You say, Lord, what do you say? You know, what, what, what do you say about this? And man, he'll like hover over you, and all of a sudden, you'll begin to like, hmm. You know, little things will come. So um, Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3, two very significant prayers that I didn't make up, right? (laughs) And um, Kenneth Hagin didn't make up. And Paul didn't make up. The whole word of God we know is inspired, or you could say breathed out of God. God breathed. And so... The Holy Spirit breathed into Paul these prayers, and Paul prayed these prayers uh, for the church at Ephesus, but they were prayed so that we could pray the same prayer. And I love it, because you might have, like, if you have a pressing need, you know, you're like, Lord, like, I need new tires on my car, and you get that focus and everything like that, and if that becomes, like, a lot of pressure and stuff like that, you maybe get distracted, but you can say, wait a minute, I know this prayer right here, this was inspired by the Spirit of God. I know this prayer is the will of God. And so you can pray knowing the will of God. If you're uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, you pray uh, unto God and not to men, so that's also a very free way to pray. So if you're praying prayers that are in the Bible, New Testament, uh, or in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, you know like you're praying the will of God. Well, those are really, really, really good prayers to be praying. So uh, we talked uh, for a couple weeks uh, about authority, and uh, I want to continue on that. And, um, you know, uh, I think I talked a little bit or maybe a decent amount last week about the authority in the presidency, and as I was studying for this message and the Lord was uh, giving me some things. Um, that actually, uh, I felt like I should go back over that a little bit again. You realize that um, in the office of the president, we're talking about authority. Well, that office and that power, excuse me, that authority that is uh, available in that office is transferred from president to president to president to president. What's, what's, what's Donald Trump, our 45th president, I think? So he's the 45th president to have that power. And uh, the presidency itself contains that power. I love the story of Ronald Reagan. He would like, um, in the Oval Office, he'd be in the Oval Office, and he would never be in the Oval Office like this. And somebody said, uh, Mr. President, well, you know, you're, you're here in the Oval Office. Why don't you take off your jacket? And he said, I would never defile this office that way. So anytime he's in the Oval Office, because why? It's not his office. It's the office of the President of the United States, which actually belongs to the people. And so he understood that authority. Even though, you know, sometimes you might be like, well, you know, I'm the most powerful man in the world, so I can do what I want to do. Well, he understood the office actually went beyond him. And so um, before President Trump was in office, he didn't have all of access to all of that authority. He could go say to a general that he might see walking by Trump Tower or something like that down in D.C., hey, uh, I want you to go, maybe find out he works at the NSA or something like that. So I want you to go find out about ISIS and such and such area and report back to me. Well, he has no authority. And, you know, depending on when it was, he might have not even had a clearance (laughs) to have it. But he has no authority because the authority belongs to the office. So what I, the point I want to make is it's not about the man or the woman that's in the office. It's actually about the office, right? It's about the office. It's not about the person. So um, I don't know if you, um, 
uh, catch much of the news. Um, I haven't lately, but uh, when I do see little glimpses of the news, uh, I see that people are kind of upset about things uh, in a lot of cases. And so uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat, uh, who was ever in office, you could be kind of um, uh, upset about it. Well, why do people get upset about it? Well, Because they don't want somebody that they don't agree with their beliefs having that kind of power, right? Like, well, what are they going to do? Why, why are they uh, scared of that? Well, because they can make significant changes. Our form of government, they can't do anything they want to do, but there sure is a lot of power that's invested into that office. Um, and so uh, in our office... As children of God, there's a lot of power that's invested in that office. And we're going to talk about that uh, here in a second. But we're just discussing uh, what authority is. So that authority is not dependent on who is in the office. Like it's like, well, because uh, somebody's in the office that, uh, uh, you know, uh, just has a bachelor's degree, they're not going to have as much authority as somebody that has a doctorate or somebody that was a Rhodes Scholar. No, it doesn't matter with your education. You still have the same amount of authority. The president still has the same amount of authority. Well, it's only people that uh, are from, um, oh boy, I better not say. We'll say Illinois, Abe Lincoln. It's only people from Illinois that get that amount of power. No, it doesn't matter which state you're from. It doesn't matter what your educational background is. Every holder of that office has the same power is granted the same power. Why? Because the power doesn't come from the person. The power is not from them. The power comes outside of them. Um, you don't do something to get the authority. Except for as president, you, you, know, you get elected. But as a believer, it's not that because I have uh, uh, prayed and uh, read the word or done this or that, that I get the authority, you actually, whether you're conscious, whether you know it or not, the second that you are born again, that you come into the family of God, it comes with the package. You have it. And so and the, a good way to think of that is, let's think of um, uh, the president's children, right? So, uh, you know, as soon as they become president and probably before, however they do all that, they get access you know, and uh, depending on your level of relationship, you get a badge or if you're actual family, I don't know if they have badges, I don't know. But they get access. And so uh, what happens? Well, they can walk in anytime they want. And so that's how we are with God. We are in the family of God. We are children of God. We are close with God. And think of your own children or your own parents. Everybody has a parent. Uh, and you can think like, uh, hopefully you had a, a good uh, godly parent. But generally speaking, most of the time, you have free access to your parents, where a lot of other people might not. Like, don't bother me now, don't disturb me right now. Well, I say that. You know, I'm studying, preparing, praying, stuff like that. But my wife can disturb me anytime she wants. <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, sometimes I'll be like, Melody, please, I would like some time. <laughs> you know, but if it's really important, then I, I want her to freely come. And the children so many times are the same way. Again, I have times where I like to set aside, like I'm studying this time, but um, I don't think ever, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I can't recall a time where I've ever been like, oh, I'm so upset at you. I'll just say, oh, I love you so much. Now daddy's studying, so let's go over here. Uh, but what? They have access to me. And so when we're part of the family of God, we also um, have access. So we have to learn about our authority 
what it covers and what it doesn't. And one thing I noticed in studying for this, it's really interesting. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, I have given you authority. But he didn't stop there. He said, over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. And it reminded me of in Genesis when God created Adam and Eve. And he said, I have given you dominion over everything on the earth, everything that creeps on the earth, all of this. And so it's interesting, when you're granted authority, I guarantee you people, and because it's such a, a big deal, legal advisors tell our president, you have authority in this area, in this area, in this area. But you don't have authority in this area. You can't just say this. But you can say this and this and this. And if you speak and if you say, if you say, no, I'm not uh, uh, going to do that, then we won't do it. So like authority, I think we make some big things sometimes. But you say like... If you're the mayor of the city and you have access to like um, uh, a programmer that would like program the traffic lights in the city, well, you could say like, I want you to program those lights. So if you go down Main Street and if you start with one red light that they'll turn on every so many seconds so you can keep going straight through if you only hit one red light the whole time. Uh, so you, can, you could uh, say it's going to be that way. Or what would you do? Like if you were uh, in the administration of the current president right now, what would you do uh, if you had responsibility for an area? Well, if it was me, I would say, Mr. President, what would you like done in this area? And he said, well, I would like it like this, and I'd like it like that. Okay. Well, that's what it, why. Because he's in authority. They're in authority. Well, we are to do the same thing in our life. Uh, Romans 5 says that we are to reign as kings in the realm of life in this world, by the one, Jesus Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. Well, that means anything that comes from the enemy, we have authority over. Like, I have authority over my children. So I can say, uh, don't come in this room, or don't ride your bike down that hill, right? I, I can put limits on them and say, you can or you can't do this. Well, we have authority over all the power of the enemy, so that means we need to find out what is the power of the enemy. Like what power does the enemy have? Well, uh, we'll look a little further at it, but the enemy uh, has sickness and disease. Because you realize before the devil showed up in the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness and there was no disease. And uh, there were no problems. There was no curse. But then when he came, the curse showed up. And so we have authority over all of his power. So if you look at it in the realm of sickness and disease, I have given you, Jesus said to you, I have given you authority over every sickness and every disease. And nothing will in any way harm you. So we actually have authority over every sickness and authority over every disease. There's one thing that we don't have authority over, more than one thing, but one significant thing that we don't have authority over is human wills, right? In other words, I can't say, uh, if I was Eddie, I couldn't say, you know what, uh, the Bible says he that finds a wife finds a good thing, and I think she's a good thing, and I claim her in the name of Jesus, and she's going to be my wife, and, and she's like, well, I don't really, I'm kind of engaged to somebody else, it doesn't matter, I'm claiming you. No, that's uh, what happens if two of you be in agreement, you have to be in agreement, got it? I'm just, I'm just picking on him. Uh, um, you have to be in agreement. And so you can't, you don't have authority over someone else's will. And, you know, authority is best exercised in relationship. What does that mean? 
Well, when you're in talking about the authority that a believer has, it's best to exercise your authority in relationship with God. Why? Well, he knows all things. And the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you and show you and reveal to you. So you could be in a situation where uh, something really bad is happening and uh, you want to do something about it. And you're like, well, I have authority. And, you know, uh, when it's in my presence, I have a certain amount of authority. And you're just focused on that. But you have a nudge on the inside. You need to leave. You need to get out. Well, uh, walking by faith and leading of the Spirit actually go together. And so the Lord knows. The Lord knows what's going to happen. And if you try to go against him, you'll be in a dire state. I know uh, there's a story of this minister that uh, he was like, him and his wife are getting ready to go on a trip. And they're like, you know, uh, we claim and we do the same thing. No accident will overtake us. No evil will befall us. We'll get from here to there without incident or delay. We'll go in the name of Jesus. And this minister did that. And um, but he had a check on the inside, like, don't go right now. Don't go right now. But he's like, well, I have authority. So he went and got in a car accident. And him and his wife, their life was fine. They were preserved, but their car was all broke up, and they were injured somewhat. And he was like, well, why did this happen? Well, because you can't separate faith from walking in the Spirit. I love the, the first miracle that, uh, excuse me, the first temptation that Jesus had by the devil was to turn the stones into bread. The first temptation that he had was to do the supernatural apart from the leading of the Spirit of God. He's like, you know, you can do this miracle. You can take this natural thing and make it come and be bread. Otherwise, how do I know that he could do that? Uh, Well, some people say, well, because he was God. But, you know, he laid aside his mighty power and glory and ministered as a man, as a mere man, anointed by the Spirit of God, really, to give us an example. Well, I know he could do it because it was a temptation, so if he couldn't do it, it wouldn't be a temptation. You know, I'll just be honest with you. Where I'm at, if somebody came to me right now and said, I'm tempting you, that if you turn, this, turn that concrete into bread, there's no temptation. No temptation for me there. Maybe I'll grow in that later, but uh, there's no temptation. But for Jesus, it was a temptation. And so he was tempted to do something supernatural, uh, just to, for himself or at the leading of the devil, but not at the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so you see like uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit and faith go together. And the Lord will show you, I mean, there's so many different ways to receive uh, healing, financial blessing, um, uh, deliverance, what you need. And, uh, but it's important to follow the Spirit of God because he knows exactly um, what you'll believe in, what you'll have faith in, and what you'll respond to. And then, um, you know, I had, uh, I've had, uh, I don't have time to give all of them, of course, but I've had a couple experiences myself along these lines, and um, I was preaching up at, uh, there was a church in Saginaw, Michigan that needed a, a pastor, and so uh, they didn't even have an interim pastor, and so I would go up every week uh, for a little while and uh, minister there. And uh, most of the time my family came with me, but this time I was by myself. And it was a two or three hour drive, and I didn't like to be up that early in the morning. They'd offer to get me a hotel, so I got a hotel. And um, so I'd go check in the hotel I'm at the front desk, uh, doing, you know, getting credit card and doing all that. And uh, I turn around, and it's, I don't remember what hotel it was, but anyhow, they had the breakfast area right behind you. And in there, 
there's this father and a, a few kids, but there was a father and this one kid. And he had this, this little kid. And he's like, you are the stupidest little kid I have ever seen. How could you be so dumb? And how could you do that? And oh, man, it grieved me so much. My spirit, I was like, oh, you know, it just like even repeating it makes me want to vomit. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I was like, oh. and um, so I just under my breath, I said, I take authority over the spirit that's influencing that man in the name of Jesus. And do you know what? He immediately stopped. And not only did he stop, but he said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have spoke to you that way. Daddy shouldn't have done that. Da, da, da. So I get my stuff and go in my room and sleep and get up and pray and prepare and uh, start heading out while they're at breakfast. And yet again, the father is doing the same thing, just tearing into this kid. Felt really bad for him. And um, so I did the same thing. And he did the same thing. He stopped and he apologized. But you see... Um, it really saddened me because I knew as soon as I go away, you don't have authority over uh, things in other people's lives if you don't have authority. I mean, my children's life I do because I have authority. I'm an authority in their life. In our life of our church, I have authority as the pastor. Um, and in, uh, you'll reign as kings in your domain, right? And so that's not my domain. But yet, uh, they're in my presence so I can do a little something about it. And... Um, you know, there was another time we were in, um, Melody and I had gone on a little getaway weekend in Arkansas. And uh, so we came along uh, the road, and there's this, it's kind of hilly or mountainous there, and we kind of go around a curve, and all of a sudden there's like a couple of cars stopped, and you looked over the embankment, and this car had gone down over the embankment and was like way down and uh, flipped upside down. And so uh, no emergency vehicles were there yet, so we got out uh, and went down to see if we could help. And this lady was trapped inside the car. And the car is still running, and it's starting to smoke, and the wheels are still spinning, and she is screaming out the top of her lungs. And she was drunk, like, like very drunk. And obviously, I guess she was a drunk driver and went off the road. And um, so we're down there, and they're like, we, you know, there was one other, one other couple or a couple other people there, and they're like, we don't know, we, we can't get her to come out, you know? And, she's, and so she would just, like, scream, and she was cussing horribly, like, just... You know, I don't even like start the words, but she was just cussing. <laughs> and um, so we're trying to like, calm down, calm down. And she was just hysterical, probably in shock or, or whatever. And uh, but she, man, she was cussing. Well, uh, finally, other people are showing up and they want to get like a sledgehammer to break the window to get her out because we don't know, like, is this car going to burst into flames any second? What's going on? And um, I was like, I was getting frustrated because I'm like, well, what do we do? We got to get this woman out. And then my wife's there too. And I'm like, if this car blows, like, we're all here and we got to get her out of here. And so uh, and she wouldn't listen. So finally, I was just like, in the name of Jesus, shut up. And she shut up and would listen and got out of the way so that, that we could bust the window. Uh, the other guys busted with sledgehammer and uh, we were able to get her out of the car and to safety. And um, so it's amazing, even in areas where maybe you're not the authority, but when you get involved, you can bring the kingdom of God on the scene and you can like stop those uh, spirits that are influencing people in your realm and in your domain. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, I don't know how much time I have to uh, tell some of the other ones. And, um, but even um, as your pastor, uh, there's some of you, uh, multiple of you, even sitting in this room, that I have been uh, 
meditating and praying and all of a sudden something comes up in me and I just take authority over stuff that I know is like coming against you and coming against your life. Um, and it's important, especially with those that you have influence and authority over that you're around, that uh, when something comes up that you pray and then you follow the leading of that because the Lord, you know, uh, John Wesley said, it seems the Lord can do nothing for mankind unless somebody asks him. Well, uh, the Lord has everything set up in a very just and legal way. And that's why the devil could even have authority over the earth because he gave complete dominion and authority to Adam, to mankind. And mankind, by listening to the devil, actually uh, gave up that authority to uh, the devil. I, th- I was thinking about it when I was preparing this. The best example right now that I could think of is like, you know, in Greek mythology, like the Trojan horse. So like they're like, well, look, this is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the devil comes and the devil's like, oh, look at that horse. Isn't that beautiful? Wouldn't that be a great statue to have? And it's a gift and it's wonderful. You know, and they invite the horse to come in. And what happens with the horse? Well, then all of a sudden there's a bunch of people inside and they overtake the city. And it was their secret to get into the city. Well, I think that's how the devil was with that tree. He's like, oh, you know, you know, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree because he knows that you'll be like him. And he wants to hold back from you. And there's good stuff that you don't know about, but he wants you to have. And what did he do? He tried to get them to question what God said. And he got them to question what God said. And so they're thinking, well, this is going to be good for me and I can do what I want to do. Uh, sounds like the devil, doesn't it? <laughs> That's how he was and how he is. And, um, and so they did, but it's like the ultimate Trojan horse. And so then they went in, the devil went in, he got control of the city. Well, the city is the earth and the things concerning the earth. So he became the God of this world. And then Jesus said, you know what? Uh, I plan from before the foundation of the world to have my son as a lamb slain. So I'm way ahead of you, even though you think you're ahead of me, devil, you know? And um, he's just a liar and stupid and, and um, not creative and just tries to copy and doesn't do a good job of it and um, is really powerless and he's just a big bag of wind. And uh, he thinks he's a lot and he's like a big bully. Uh, they think they're all that, but really they have uh, no power. And he was stripped naked, Colossians tells us, and paraded in front of the whole world for everyone to see uh, that he is nothing. And so the only way he is something uh, it's, it's really a lot like a bully, is if you think he's something and you'll say like, whoa, whoa, no, I'm afraid of that guy. I'm afraid of that guy. Uh, and then he'll start to have power over you. But in himself, he is a defeated foe. I like Teal Osborne. <laughs> People say he would just uh, all around the world, you know, where a lot of times you'll have more uh, manifestations of demonic and stuff like that. They'll be like, let me pray, Brother Osborne, that the devil won't hurt you. He said, I never let him pray that prayer. He said, don't ever let anybody pray that prayer. He said, I say, devil, you come here. Come see this. Come see this. Which doctor, come here. Your power will never work again. Because we have authority over him. He doesn't have authority over us. You know, God is like, people treat like the devil's like this big thing. I hope God can do something. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus said, I have given you authority over all of that. And he said that after he went to hell itself and conquered every bit of the forces of the enemy and of hell, so much so that he led them naked in front of everyone to see. Colossians chapter 2. And what an embarrassment he is. And what a lie he is. And so then he said, now I have authority, all authority in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28, 18, has been given unto me. So I have all authority right now. So like, pretend it's me. That'd be scary, wouldn't it? Okay. All authority has been, well, but really we've been delegated that same authority, <laughs> all of us. But all authority has been given unto me. 
in Washington, D.C. And so I want you to go right now and you do what you think is best. And I'm going to give you a book that's going to tell you what to do. Right? So you pretend like we have kings and ultimate rulers and stuff like that. And I say, look, well, that's what Jesus did. He said all authority. Like, in other words, think of like, okay, think of it. Maybe it's better to think like this. So think of this Navy SEAL. He goes in, and this Navy SEAL is actually uh, the son of a king. And this Navy SEAL is highly trained and honed, and he goes into this ISIS city that's controlled in Iraq, and he whoops all of them, and he ties them all up, and he strips all their clothes off, and he ties their ankles together, makes them walk in front of everybody in the whole city. He defeats every single one of them. And then he calls you, and he says, you know, say there's little like, uh, let's say there's a 25 blocks in the city or 100 blocks in the city. And he says, you get this block, you get this block, you get this block, you're in charge. That's what happened. And they're all tied up and they're all naked and they're all like vulnerable. And Jesus said, in that condition, I have given you authority. So you're in charge. But what could happen if you don't do anything? They're all chained up and all that. Well, uh, I'm not saying the devil's chained up like he's loose on the earth, but you have authority over him. Uh, but he's been defeated. Well, you could take, you get, you get people, prisoners, what happens when they get together and they're allowed to do whatever they want? Well, they'll figure out, here's how I'm going I'm to escape. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to do that. You have to like enforce it. You have to say, no, you're not going to come and you're not going to uh, steal money from these people and you're not going to force someone to convert to this false religion that's a lie. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Um, you have authority and I have authority uh, because it has been given by God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus gained that authority uh, because he conquered all of the power of the enemy. Uh, Let's stand. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that you have given us authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will in any way harm us. Father, we pray just like Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of Christ, so that we can acknowledge you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that light would come and flood, and we would see and we would know. What is the hope of our calling? And what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, in the believers, Father? What is our inheritance? And what is the abundance of it? And what is the glory of it, Father? And what is contained in it? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe? According to the same power that you raised Christ from the dead. Father, help us to see that. Get a glimpse of it. Grab hold of that same power, Father. Help us to stand in the place that you've called us to stand in. And Heavenly Father, we pray right now for our nation. In the name of Jesus, according to your word, we pray for those in authority in this nation. We lift up President Donald Trump and his family, his staff, and his cabinet members. Let your word cling to them and let them not depart from your plan. Strengthen them with mighty power by your spirit to stand against wickedness, lies, and deception. Guide President Trump's decision. Let your light shine upon his path and show him the path of reversal for every evil way. Continually surround him with godly men and women who impart wise counsel to him. Cause members of his cabinet, if they're not born again, to receive Christ, Father. May those men and women of influence in your kingdom and in your faith.
family who have authority be allowed close to him. Cause the way of the wicked to be set to confusion and come to nothing. Deliver us from the traps and snares of the enemy that he's laid for us, that he's laid for this nation. And let the wicked be caught in their own devices and be brought to shame. We take authority over the plots and plans of the enemy against this nation. Let prideful and lying lips be silenced in Jesus' name. Slanderers will not be established in America. We pray for our Congress, the senators, the congressmen from every district, from every state. We pray for our Supreme Court and military leaders and intelligence agencies. Father, that you'll give them wisdom, that you'll give them insight. Father, that they will hear the gospel message and receive Christ, that the power of God and the power of Christ would come near them, Father. Father, that they would look to you, they would, they would look outside themselves, that they would have godly influences around them and surrounding them. Let the wisdom that is from above reign in this nation and be constantly speaking to our leaders. We exercise the authority you have given us to tread down all the power of the enemy. We cast down and demolish imaginations and arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of you. And we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We bind the spirits of strife and division, civil wars and tumult, spirits of hostility, lawlessness, and blasphemy. And fires from hell that have burned in our cities. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We speak grace and peace over America. Grace and peace over our nation. Grace and peace over our city. Grace and peace over every part of this region. Grace and peace over our nation from the east coast to the west coast. From Alaska to Hawaii. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. We pray and believe for the voice of truth and salvation and revival and awakening and restoration to be upon this nation and upon the waters of this nation, Father, upon the people of this nation, to be proclaimed and heard across all our land. Grant your servants, your people, your family everywhere that with all boldness we may speak your word, that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your child, Jesus Christ. We pray for a mighty outpouring of your spirit with signs and wonders and miracles. We expect the wisdom of this world that's earthly, sensual, sensual, devilish to depart and vanish until your mighty work in this nation becomes a beacon of hope for all people and all nations everywhere. We expect the voice of rejoicing to be heard in our nation for your goodness, mercy, prosperity, loving kindness, tender mercies, upon each and every person. Father, we pray that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be lifted so high and so brightly for all to see. Satan, we command you to take the blinders off the people in this region, that they'll see the glorious light of the gospel, the blinders off the people of this nation, that they'll see the glorious light of the gospel. We pray for believers everywhere to rise up with a knowledge of their authority in Christ, submitted unto Christ, yielding to him and allowing him to speak to and through them. We declare freedom blessing peace from God in our land in Jesus name amen